various ways racially mixed, in good jobs but with no strong racial affiliation, not wholly African, not European, not Asian, people who had no home but the island. A generation or so before they would have been content to be neither black nor Asian, but now they had begun to suffer in their jobs and in their persons from what, with their success, they saw more clearly as colonial disrespect. They were no longer content to hide, to be grateful for small mercies. They wanted more for themselves. The talk about a local culture, the steel band and the dance, also came from people with political ambitions. Such talk could flatter a potential black electorate. The franchise was still restricted, but it was known that self-government was coming. Someone who spoke and wrote a lot about the culture was a man called Albert Gomez. He was a city politician who aimed to go higher. He was Portuguese and enormously fat. The fat did him no harm. It made him a character, easily recognizable in the city, much talked about even in our sixth form, and much loved by the black people in the streets, who at that time in the 1940s, strange as it might appear, still had no black leader. Albert Gomez saw himself as that leader. As a black leader in the city, he had a hard, anti-Asian, anti-Indian line. Indians were country people and no part of his constituency. I heard that at one time he smoked a pipe, wore a walrus moustache, and tried to look like Stalin. Before he came to politics, he was a man of culture. In the 1930s and early 1940s, he published a monthly magazine called The Beacon. He also wrote poetry. At home we had the slenderest book of his poems, thirty-three poems, four or five inches square, bound in a patterned magenta cloth, dedicated to his mother, because she does not read verse. I have a half-memory of the first poem. Weep not or wail, pleasure and grief are vain. The wheel must turn, the river flow, and the day unveil. Albert Gomez had a column in the Trinidad Sunday Guardian. He signed it Ubiquitous, which not many people knew the meaning of, and few knew quite how to pronounce. You or oo, kit or quit. He was famous for his big words. It was part of his size and style. It was in a Gomez column that I first came across the word plethora, and decided it wasn't a word for me. When Gomez wrote about the local island culture, he could make it part of his anti-Indian turn, since Indians were staying outside that culture. But there were many sides to Gomez, many strings to his lyre, and I suspect, though I'm not really sure now, that it was he who wrote in his vigorous way about the young poet from St. Lucia, a part of the theme of an island culture, and made us take notice. The reader will have guessed by now that the poet was Derek Walcott. As a poet in the islands for fifteen or sixteen or twenty years, until he made a reputation abroad, he had a hard row to hoe. For some time he even had to work for the Trinidad Sunday Guardian. Forty-three years after his first book of poems came out, self-published, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature. As for Albert Gomez, who might have been his champion in 1949, he came to no good. In 1956, six years after I had left the island, there arose a proper black leader, Williams, a small black man with dark glasses and a hearing aid, a stylish, a necessary quality, with these simple props, and soon overwhelmingly popular. He talked a lot about slavery, as though people had forgotten. 
By that simple means he made all island politics racial, and Gomez, the Portuguese, with no true constituency now for all his anti-Indian postures, all his talk about the island culture, the dance and the steel band, was broken and humiliated and cast aside by the same black people who just a few years before had liked to see him as a fat man character, their protector, a local carnival Stalin with moustache and pipe. so I knew the name Wolfgott, but I didn't know the verse. Albert Gomez and others might have quoted some of the lines in their articles, but I didn't remember anything. I had no feeling for poetry. Probably language had something to do with it. Our Indian community was just fifty years away from India, or less. I had a Hindi-speaking background. I couldn't speak that language, but I understood it. When older people in our joint family spoke to me in Hindi, I replied in English. English was a language we were just coming into. English.